It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today on Locked On Dolphins, an exploration into everything that is on the front of the minds of our Dolphins fans. It is the mailbag episode of Locked On Dolphins with power to the pod. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Thursday, May 18th. 2023, and we are diving into everything that is on the minds of our Dolphins fan base with Power to the Pod. It's our mailbag episode. Special shout out to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis. I have a slew of questions that we are going to dive into, and we're going to start with the Pro Bowl. Uh, This is a question that was submitted to me via our subtext community on Locked On Dolphins, uh, which is a great opportunity to network directly with me, uh, chat directly with me, talk Dolphins, get some insider info, uh, some behind-the-scenes resources that we use for the show, uh, text Dolphins to 305-419-3924 to sign up, get first two weeks free, feel like if it's for you. If not, it's a couple, uh, it's no problem to cancel, but a couple bucks a month if you decide it's something that you want to commit to. So uh, these subtext questions are what are going to get us started, including this first one that comes from an 815 number. Would like to hear your predictions on which Dolphins players make the Pro Bowl in 2023. I certainly think one of the the two wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I think Tyreek Hill probably has the inside track. Jalen Waddle would have to match or outdo last year's production to get uh, the the actual vote to get in. I think he was more than worthy last year with the production that he put on the field. But unfortunately, it's from a name value perspective, getting the second receiver in is always going to be a little harder. So I'd say whichever is the more productive of the two wide receivers is certainly one. I think the state of NFL offensive tackle play in the AFC is such that Teron Armstead, provided he plays a a vast majority of the season or or plays the majority of the season, give me 12 games or more, I think Teron Armstead would also be a Pro Bowl nomination. I'm not sure either of the other two interior offensive linemen that I would regard as quality starters will get nods or not, but I think Rob Hunt is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Defensively, I think one of the defensive linemen, the young guys, gets in. Whether it is Jalen Phillips or Christian Wilkins, give me one of those two, which would give you three. I certainly think Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard made it last year. If he made it last year, I have to imagine he'll make it this year. I think corner is a little bit easier to 
to get multiples in. Ramsey, with his star power, is self-explanatory. I think you get two there, which would give you five. I think you're talking six or seven Miami Dolphins that ultimately end up making the Pro Bowl when it's all said and done. And if Tua puts numbers up and stays healthy, obviously that that would be one where uh, it'd be really hard to leave him out if he stayed on his his trajectory for production last year and ends up with mid-30s passing touchdowns and mid-40,000 or 4,000 passing yards. Uh, if he puts that out, the Dolphins will be a very successful team, and I think it'd be a hard, hard sell to keep him off, especially if the win a line for Tua Tungvaloa as well. So you could put me down for six or seven Pro Bowl players for the Dolphins, some familiar faces, uh, potentially a couple breakthroughs as well. This next question, who on the roster gets traded before the season and what would be the return? It's a good question because kind of your peak window to trade talent feels like it has come and gone. Um, Cedric Wilson is obviously an inside track name based on the surplus of receivers that the Dolphins have in his financial situation. I think anything that you would get for Cedric Wilson at this point is probably a pick swap. So maybe Cedric Wilson in a seven for a six or Cedric Wilson for a future seven. Uh, I, I think the, the peak window of opportunity for him getting dealt off this Dolphins roster Feels like it's coming gone. Now, thankfully, the Dolphins are in a position where they can take that in stride if they have to keep him under contract. I, I would much rather advocate for the Dolphins to keep Cedric Wilson on this contract as compared to restructure and create more room because in 13 days, you're going to have the post-June 1st money open up from, from Byron Jones, and that's over $13 million in cap space that you're going to add to your ranks, which is not a small amount of money. So... If you can't move them, I'm of the school of thought now where I would keep them. Uh, next uh, power to the pod question comes from a 203 number. With Devon A-Chain, A-Chain being drafted and added to the running back room, who do you see us shedding and trading from that room? I think Miles Gaskin is facing a severe uphill climb to make the roster. If we're being honest, I think Savon Ahmed has uh, a decent chance, but you have Raheem Mostert, you have Jeff Wilson, you have A-Chain, you have the fullback position with Alec Ingold. So that's four. At most, you're carrying one more. If you do add a significant player to the room one who plays in Minnesota and is potentially going to get cut if you make that maneuver then I would certainly say the Dolphins would not carry either of the two young players who have kind of lingered here on the fringe for the last couple of years uh, but A-Chain certainly um, has an inside track to have a specialized role which kind of makes for some interesting numbers games when trying to kind of get your head around how the Dolphins are going to share all these touches and carries out of the backfield. 616 number for our next one. Would you support bringing Lynn Bowden Jr. back for camp? I like Lynn as a player. Uh, fun versatility. But Lynn was one of those players where that 2021 group 
the the production and opportunities that he got were more of a byproduct of what else the Dolphins did and did not have. I think the fact that he's gone elsewhere and has not gained any traction, I'm all for competition. And if that, if if Lynn Bowden Jr. feels is someone who the front office feels like would give you viable competition, uh, I'd certainly welcome it. But I think he's more of a movable offensive weapon as compared to a definitive player who would win in the slot with the kind of consistency that you're expecting for Braxton Berrios or even River Craycraft. I think they're both probably better route runners as case in point Limbo Jr. was an option quarterback his last year in Kentucky. So I don't know that he gives you anything that would move the needle, but I wouldn't be adverse to bringing him in and, and seeing what he has to offer. Um, <laughs> the next one is in regards to Built Bar, uh, asking me what my favorite flavor of Built Bar is. Very intrigued to find out that Built Bar has these new crispy bars as well. They have puffs, which are like marshmallows. Uh, they have bars, which are like your traditional protein bars. Now they have crispies as well. So uh, the innovation continues at Built. Built is the protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. Right now, you can go to Built.com, get yourself a variety box, get any flavor that they have available. You can go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get yourself the four-bar box, or you can go to Sam's Club and pick up the big box and help yourself on the ride home. Either way, it's the life hack you didn't know you needed, so pick yourself up a box of Built for whatever you need to get you through the day. Built Bar can be it. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The next question comes from a 732 number. And the question is, I think the front office and coaching staff have done a good job addressing areas where they were weak this past season. Do you think the same is happening to play calling and time management? I think the most prominent reason for optimism as it pertains to clock management and play calling for the Dolphins was what we have heard Mike McDaniel say either directly or indirectly since the start of the offseason, which was an acknowledgement of the issue and a willingness to take accountability for it. That in itself, I think, is very meaningful for there to be an awareness of I needed to do this better throughout the course of the year. And it, it was a problem. Uh, it was an intermittent problem that kind of sprung up on the Dolphins at times throughout the year. And sure enough, uh, it, it cost you in the playoff game as well. So for there to be the ownership of that very quickly on in the offseason, I don't know what procedurally they are, are doing to streamline that process. But yes, I would have to think that there are adjustments being made. Uh, and I feel pretty enthusiastic that that's something that we will see improved. Next question, if there was just one home game and one away game this year that you could go to, which ones would they be? Hmm. 
Hmm. One away game. If I could go to it, I would go to the Germany game. I think that would be an awesome experience to to meet all the the European fans that will be there for that. Get to see them play the Chiefs. Have to figure that would be a very fun game. And if I had to go to a home game, hopefully we're locking in Week 18 as a, a division title opportunity. So I would I would say put me down for Week 18 at home against the Bills. Those would be the games that I would pick. Couple questions about post June first cuts. This, this first one: Are you penciling Akeem Hicks on the roster after June first? Somebody's going to get signed, and I need a break from thinking about the offensive lineman for the next two weeks. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, thank you for the question. Hicks is interesting. I, I I think Hicks is obviously the right kind of player to play in this Fangio front, given his successes in similar defenses in the past, particularly going back to when he was in Chicago. But at the same time, I need a backup nose on this roster. I need somebody behind Raekwon Davis that can play the nose. And I don't know that Akeem Hicks at his best is in that role. So I'm fine for adding Akeem Hicks so long as you're also plan, planning on adding an early down and short yardage run stuffer to play behind Raekwon Davis and serve his depth. The John Jenkins role, I don't think Akeem Hicks would fill the John Jenkins role. I think he would rotate with guys like Sealer and Wilkins and give you maybe some more freshness up front, which would be needed for a player who has been very, very good for a very long time, but is getting a little longer in the tooth. That would be my thoughts as it pertains to Akeem Hicks. Not averse to adding him, but I don't think he resolves your biggest issue on the defensive front. 954 number. This is the easiest question that I will answer all day. Hypothetically, which current Miami Heat player would you want to start on the Dolphins and what position could you envision him playing? If your answer is not Jimmy Butler, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, That dude's got the dog in him. He is a stone cold killer. Uh, Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, I don't know if you guys saw that, but Jalen Ramsey was was tweeting it at uh, Jimmy and said, Jimmy, honorary member of the Dolphins secondary for for what he's done this postseason, just a totally different level. Jimmy's probably my favorite NBA player. I'm a very casual basketball fan. I like players more than I like an actual team in basketball. And, you know, I live in the mid-Atlantic area, so the closest teams to me are uh, the Wizards and the Sixers. And when Jimmy was in Philadelphia, that's when I would, like, I fell in love with Jimmy Butler's game. And then he goes to Miami, obviously the the city that's so near and dear to me and and so many of you who listen to this show. And he's just built different, right? So start him where you want to start him. I wouldn't bet against him against anything other than like the the, the line of scrimmage. But uh, he's a dog, man. And and really fun to watch what the Heat are doing. Uh, Shout out to Coach Spo and the rest of the Heat for for what they've been able to do to kind of spit in the face of, of... logic as the eight seed that was playing in the play-in tournament and just took game one uh, against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. 626 number, power of the pod question, to what extent and what role could Elijah Higgins have in his first season with the Dolphins? I think it's careful not to expect too much, right? I think Elijah Higgins can carve out a pretty quick role as an impactful player in certain personnel groups when the Dolphins are running some of their 
outside run concepts from more spread formations. When the Dolphins are looking to run perimeter screens, putting Elijah Higgins out here as a blocker and a point player to block in space against linebackers, safeties, and corners, I think he brings a different element of physicality than what the Dolphins had last year when you add in his movement skills. So I think he's a complimentary player in the passing game who maybe throughout the course of the year you build in a couple counter punches where you are setting up the tunnel and then it's a pump and go where where he ends up releasing down the field and you get a shot to take to him down the field and you get a big play with him. I don't think he's going to catch a couple. He'll probably catch what 10 to 15 footballs this year. Um, maybe you get some big plays out of him, maybe 200 receiving yards. I'd expect some chunk gains just because you're kind of baking in these uh, shot plays with him as a tendency breaker. That would be my expectation for Elijah Higgins, but you could play 200 snaps maybe, plus special teams, uh, catch 10, 10, 15 footballs, hopefully make some really nice blue-collar plays for you. That would be my hope and expectation for Elijah Higgins along the way. Our next question. If Isaiah Wynn is a long-term solution for the Dolphins, is it more likely to come at left guard or right tackle? I think of the body of work, it's hard to say right tackle. Now, I do think he's a better option than Austin Jackson at right tackle, based off the body of work of both players. Because you're, you're probably going to give Isaiah Wynn a little grace for he played left tackle before 2022 and then made that position change along with the scheme change, with a coaching change, with offensive line coach and his offensive play caller. It's a lot of change and a lot of lack of continuity for, for it to add up and seem real. I think the durability issues are probably the bigger roadblock to him being a long-term answer. But if he can be a, an adequate level starter for you uh, for anything more than half a season with the way that the Dolphins have the other pillars placed in right now, I think that's still a meaningful role to play on the team. So I don't know that I would bet on it. If I had to bet on the long term, I would say it's probably more likely that it comes at left guard. But I think if you're looking for the best combination of five that Miami has right now, he might be your best option at right tackle, and that would take precedent because it's the more important position. I was wondering with Vic Fangio as our new defensive coordinator, which player or players do you think will benefit the most from the new scheme? Who may take the most significant jump in performance this year from past years? I have a couple candidates here. One is Javon Holland. Uh, Javon last year was too often relegated to being the cleanup man as the last line of defense and not being able to be the weapon that he can be when he's closer to the football in the line of scrimmage. I think this style of defense will put him in more positions to be more impactful as a player in all phases of playing defense. I think you got to see it in the last month of the season, but that should have been what Javon Holland was being asked to do from the jump. And it felt like after Needham and Brandon Jones went down, we kind of got shell-shocked on the back end of the defense for a month or two before you kind of got him back into a position of being able to move around again. I think Christian Wilkins, in a more aggressive front, will have more opportunities to make more splash plays. I think that will yield more negative plays uh, for opposing offenses, which will help the Dolphins and, and help his market value. So that's something that stands out to me as well. 
And then Jalen Ramsey, I think, can really thrive. Obviously, he's played in similar systems the last few years. Uh, but I, I think he going to Miami with the complementary pieces that are around him where Ramsey's not the glue anymore, but he can really be a, a chess piece that moves, I think can, can really help quite a bit. We have a number of other questions left. We're going to tackle as many as we possibly can, including one about a draft lottery, which is what a lot of the buzz is thanks to the NBA. We're going to cover that here next on Locked on Dolphins. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The next question, dialing in, uh, there's a lot of NFL draft lottery talk right now. How would you feel about the NFL doing the same? My vote, this coming from a 403 number, would be a hard no. So I, I think the lottery, the incentive for the lottery is a lot of the other leagues that end up playing like 80 games in a season, they want those teams to stay competitive across full 80 games. What happens when you play 60 games, you've won 15? You know your season's over, right? But you still got two months left of playing four times a week. I think that's the biggest deterrent from just packing it in is the lottery. Case in point, the uh, Detroit Pistons had the worst record in, in the league, I think by five games and got the fifth overall pick thanks to the lottery, which that sucks. It's unfortunate for them. But I think with the NFL, where, where things are a little bit more the schedule's not as uh, saturated, I think is probably one way that I would put it. And then also with the roster size being what it is, uh, I think in basketball, just using basketball as an example, your roster size is 15 players, right? NFL players are 53 plus off season or plus practice squad carries and, and guys who are on injured reserve. That's a lot more players that have a lot more to lose by just packing it in. These contracts aren't fully guaranteed like other leagues too. I think there's too much natural incentives against the players packing it in that you don't have to protect yourself with a draft lottery. Would it be fun and spicy and new? Yes, of course it would. Uh, and I know there's some even out there who think that the, we should just get rid of the draft altogether and uh, have a salary cap for rookies that come in on an annual basis and they're all unrestricted free agents. They get to meet with all the teams and teams can commit however much they want to commit to any individual player on an open market situation. And everybody, it's kind of like an auction. Kind of like you're, if you've never done a fantasy football draft or league that's an auction league as compared to a uh, like a snake draft, it's fun, it's different, it's a different kind of challenge. But of course, I think the logistics here are all too much for the league to ever want to have to actually embrace. Uh, but I, I, I think there's enough where you don't have to worry about kind of some of the, the natural motivations for having a, a draft lottery. 
This question comes from a 301 number, and the question is interested in exactly how you would game plan for our division rivals. Seems the Finns, Bills, Jets all split our games against each other, and if you sweep the Patriots, that's no guarantee we'll make the playoffs. Taking two games from one or both of the competitive divisional rivals should be a deciding factor. I agree. Uh, if you go 3-3 three and three against the East this year, you're kind of leaving yourself open for some disappointment. I think you're going to have to win to put yourself in position where I think it is going to be closely contested and you're potentially looking at tiebreakers. Four and two in the division feels like it's going to be a must. Um, obviously, you play the Patriots twice early. I think there's some natural advantages in both of those games. The Jets, you play twice in a short span. Uh, you catch them on a short week, but you have to go to their place, and then they catch you on a short week the second time, but you're home uh, after playing Tennessee. And then the Bills, you, you play week four in Buffalo, and then you play week 18. And, and week 18 is, of course, interesting for a lot of different reasons because of the, the stakes that would be at play there. I'll, I want to do this content, but I want to do this content right, which means I'm going to save it. I'm going to put it in my back pocket, and we're going to do it as a bigger show, as a standalone show. Um, so I appreciate the question, and, and I'm definitely going to get to it, but I don't want to smash it into a 90-second blurb as compared to each one of those shows could be a 30-minute show. Uh, next question, 305 number. Hey man, hearing the Tyler Croft episode had me thinking about the effectiveness of our run game during that second Bills game. Ingold was mic'd up for that game and I heard him taunting one of the Bills defensive backs by telling him it's going to be a long day. Makes me wonder how many of our AFC East teams and other opponents have a nickel heavy defensive formation and whether or not these additions really do point to the running game going to be more prevalent this year. It's a nice nugget. Um, so I know the Bills is an example. Teron Johnson's their nickel player. He is a safety type who often plays on the second level. And where the Dolphins had some success in that game was their pre-snap motions were getting him bumped into one of the two stack linebackers and you were moving Milano out of the formation early in the game where he was kind of the, you were flipping the formational strength. And instead of actively flipping Teron Johnson and Matt Milano, they just bumped the second level, and now Teron Johnson has to win at the point of attack against a lead blocker or a double team. So I, I think the Patriots have the right kind of makeup here. When you think about all of the safeties that they have, they have this embarrassment of riches of Duggar, and, and in the past it's been Peppers and McCourty's retired, but uh, they, they just drafted Marte Mapu this year. Like They have all these hybrid players that I think they are the best equipped to play big nickel with with big safeties and have success. When I think about the Jets, I think the addition of Chuck Clark is helpful. But you look at their safety room, and it's Jordan Whitehead, Ashton Davis, Chuck Clark. Ashton Davis really hasn't gained the kind of footing that maybe they thought they would when they drafted him in the third round. Uh, Whitehead's a good player, but Whitehead's also, you know, there's instances in which he's going to be your deep safety. Uh, I think in the instances in which either one of those two players, Chuck Clark or Jordan Whitehead, drops down, uh, you're going to need Ashton Davis to play on the roof. So being able to identify those opportunities when, hey, we might want to check this play, there might be an opportunity to challenge them down the field because they've rolled the extra hats into the box. 
but I think where the Jets also are able to get by is with some of the speed that they have with their linebackers in general, with Quincy Williams, who got a nice deal. Hamza Nasser Ladin is here as a, a developmental type player who was a safety at Florida State. Jamie Sherwood was a, a fifth round pick who was a safety at Auburn. So some of their linebackers used to be safeties. So I think they'll probably give you some more base looks. And then you can kind of ask, okay, if they're going to run us with base, how do we how do we challenge those backers in, in probably passing opportunities? But yes, I, I think there's some context clues, some good context clues here that perhaps the Jets or, or the Dolphins are, are going to be positioned to to try to run the ball with a little bit more of a commitment this upcoming year. And hopefully that that leads to more um, continuity and more consistency with that unit as, as the year goes on. A few more questions, but uh, we're, we're going to respond to them individually one-on-one. We're going to go ahead and call this a wrap here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I appreciate all of the, you who make this a part of your daily routine. Shout out to the everydayers. If you want to catch the next solicitation for uh, subtext listeners, and whether that's uh, an exclusive film study or behind-the-scenes conversation or... Uh, a, a group chat or kind of the resources that I use to work for the show, uh, stuff to get you ready for the season. Make sure you join the subtext. Again, you can just send a text to 305-419-3924. Text DOLPHINS to 305-419-3924. Find out if it's for you. Get the first two weeks free. If you like it, it's a couple bucks a month. If not, you can cancel at any point. No questions asked. So that is going to do it. Fins up. Keep it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Appreciate y'all. Talk to you again soon. Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.